Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specialises in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, lighthearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. In this week's episode, we will be talking about a few key topics when it comes to exercise and fertility. We are going to be talking about egg quality, egg quantity, and the relationship between sleep and fertility. I know we're born with a crap load of eggs. <laughs> crap load. But we really are, though. We really are. Should I give you some numbers? Yeah, go on. Okay, so I was amazed, actually, when I read this. According to research, a typical fetus has about 20 million eggs. And then a newborn has about 2 million eggs. And then the really interesting thing is 11,000 eggs die a month prior to puberty. This has just boggled my mind. There's so many before puberty. Your body must just kind of clear out the stuff that genuinely don't need. But this is why when people say about the clock ticking, this is what they mean. The tick tock, tick tock. And it goes back to you kind of know that you've probably got problems in the quantity. We will talk about quality, but mm. the quantity area is when those periods start coming in for our daughters and our friends. And they're not forming that pattern. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, irregular cycles, um, issues with the periods are really heavy, really painful. Things that you probably assume are normal, but probably are not normal. So all of those things can be a sign that there's something just not quite right. And it's probably a good idea just to go and chat to the GP and just say, you know, look, I've had one period a year or they're horrendously painful. Um, You know, I'm having to go to the bathroom every hour. None of these things are normal. So, yeah, it's definitely worth getting checked out. So how can you possibly assess how many eggs you have? Yeah, this is good because you can't see them. <laughs> well, or can you? Okay. It's like someone's doing a stock take. Yeah, it's st- that is what it is. It's an egg stock take. And actually... For people going through fertility treatment, this is really important because you you need to have the eggs to do the fertility treatment. So you need to know how many eggs you're likely to have. This is really key. And if you're having fertility treatment, it might be nothing to do with your egg count, but it might be. So knowing how many eggs you are likely to have is really important. And there are there are a few different ways. The ways that most of my clients talk to me about are um, measuring of a hormone called AMH. And it's something that doctors and, and clinicians use. And basically, AMH is a hormone and it lives inside the follicles, which are the sacs where the eggs grow. And it helps doctors to estimate the number of follicles you have in your ovaries. So the more follicles you have, the more eggs you can release. So if you have a higher AMH level, then it's more likely that you actually are going to have some eggs that could be used for fertility treatment. And kind of estimates vary a little bit. So the numbers I'm going to give you now are kind of rough, but an average level, um, and this is in nanograms per milliliter, would be between one and three. That's kind of an average. Okay. But please don't freak out if you're listening to this. I am I am not a doctor, as Roisin says every week, and these are just um, rough estimates. If you were under one, roughly, then that's considered low. But again, please don't freak out, speak to your doctor. And 0.4 would be considered um, severely low because it's just indicating that 
you know, you maybe don't have the follicles that you need to grow the eggs. What's also interesting is with PCOS, you might have really high levels because sometimes you have loads of follicles and that's part of the problem with PCOS. So you might have really high AMH, but actually you're still not developing a lead follicle, which leads to that egg release, which can part the problem. So that's one way by measuring your hormone AMH. And then the other way, and this is where uh, Wanda comes in now. We've touched on Wanda before, Russian Digital Horizon. This is our good old friend, Wanda. I just don't like the sound of Wanda no at one all. Does. I mean, I, I, she's not, she tries to be friendly, but she isn't, you know. I just can't imagine that that's a very comfortable or delightful way to spend an afternoon. Have you never met afternoon. Wanda before? No, no. I You've did. never met Wanda? I've never met oh, Wanda. My. I've Oof. never been introduced. You've never been I will, I'll save you the introduction. You're good. For our listeners, Wanda is the name for ultrasound that basically is a transvaginal ultrasound. So it goes up, not on, let's mm-hmm. just say. Okay, so it goes up, not on. And basically it will just take a little picture of your insides. And that's one way of figuring out how many follicles that you have. So you can see them on the screen. And again, this will give you an indication of your possible egg count. So this is a much more visual way of doing it. Um, and if you if you ever go on Instagram and you kind of hashtag Wonder or trying to conceive, there's a lot of people that just go for a visit with Wonder. I would also like to say if you are going for a visit with Wonder and it's your first time, please don't worry about it. It is actually fine. Um, the women do that are normally really nice, they're really supportive. Um, it's nothing stressful, and I actually find Wonder for me that was easier than the high cozy test which is the one that checks your fallopian tubes. So yeah, please we joke about it, but please don't stress. It's it's normally absolutely fine. I'm assuming if you have a low follicle count, is there a way of preserving them, freezing them? Considering that you're losing so much per month. Yes. When you go through some types of fertility treatment, you will grow your eggs, basically, and then they will do an egg collection. And the clinics can do all kinds of tests. But yeah, you can freeze eggs, which is really cool. A lot of women who have high powered careers will quite often freeze eggs and I think it's becoming a lot more acceptable now because quality declines with age sure and obviously number of eggs declines with age as well so for someone who who knows that they might want to have children later on they get in there early and and there is there is a difference as again a little statistic that I find was saying a 20 year old has twice as good eggs as a 36 year old and a 36-year-old has twice as good eggs as the 39-year-old. And a 39-year-old has twice as good eggs as a 41-year-old. So it really descends quite it, quickly, it doesn't really it? It really does, yeah. And again, this is not to freak anybody out in the no. slightest. You know, technology is amazing these days. There are there are ways and means. But yeah, it, it's just really interesting. Yeah, Knowledge is power. I've told Maria the story before, but I was at a really lovely fancy do um, charity auction in the Dorchester Hotel back in the day. And I was on the loo in the ladies listening to all the ladies Mm -hmm. that were outside queuing for the loo or washing their hands or touching up their makeup or whatever. And there was a group of women who were really senior. They had fantastic careers, TV, entertainment, the whole bit. And all they were doing was talking about IVF. And I remember, I think I was in my early 30s and I would very much aspire to where they ended up in in their careers at the time. I did take note of that. I made the decision then to go earlier than I would have done if I hadn't have known. Did it make that much of a yeah, difference? Yeah, it really you? did. I think it's because it's, maybe because it's organic. You know, like this wasn't someone lecturing you. This was a real thing in a, in a woman's toilets. It was a, it was naturally occurring, genuine conversation. Because I didn't know up until that point. And once you know, you can't unknow. And I had to make no. some decisions about that. 
because you were lucky because you were already in a relationship with your husband. Yeah, exactly. So you, when you were ready to go, you were you were ready to go. I met a lot of women at the fertility show actually in London a few weeks back now, and there were quite a lot of women who were going solo on this journey, which was really cool because they knew that they wanted children, but they just hadn't met a partner yet. Sure. So this was the kind of route they were going down. Um, some of them were thinking about maybe egg freezing, but a lot of them were just finding out how do I do this? You know, solo. What are the options available to me? It was really cool, actually. I yeah, and it, and, and it makes sense because it's there's certain things that you can control. Absolutely. And there's certain things that you can't control. And you yeah. can't control when a partner comes through and the clock is ticking. It is. Better to probably to be pragmatic. Yeah. There's no stopwatch on meeting a partner. All these little interactions we have, the more information that we can get our hands on, inform our judgments. And that means we can be better communicators to the next generation, which I think is hugely important for our daughters, for our Mm. nieces, the women in our lives. Mm. We've got to share the information because of the secrecy around infertility. Women don't say, I think, again, this could be a whole other episode. Whenever I speak to people, like I've got so many people in my head right now, when I tell them what I do, whether these are complete strangers, which is one example I'm thinking of, or um, a colleague that I've known at work for 15 years. And they kind of look at me and they go, oh, right, yeah. And then it's their wife, their partner, mm. them. Everybody has something to do with infertility. So I just tell people now, because I'm like, well, yeah, I love what I do. And I'm really proud of doing this job. And it and it makes me really happy to help other people. But a lot of people are still a bit nervous about talking about it. Hopefully, you know, we're helping to break that down a bit. Exactly. And it should be mandatory education for women in schools. It should. This is how many eggs you have. This yeah. is when they degrade. This is how long there's on the clock. You can't really do much with the amount of eggs that you have. No. Can you do anything about the quality of the eggs that you have? Yes. And this is where I get very excited. Of course I do. Yes. Yeah, so quantity, your quantity is your quantity, but your quality is really kind of manageable. You'll be shocked to hear that, but exercise can affect your egg quality, which is amazing. It's for a lot of women there's a lot of women I've spoken to this week um in consultations and again they just want to be doing as much as they can they just want to be kind of ticking all the boxes they can tick because they want to have the baby and they want to make sure their nutrition's on some of them have got um you know an acupuncturist and obviously fitness is a massive one and part of that is increasing your egg quality so how can exercise affect your egg quality i like to summarize things so i will give you three answers to your question answer number one exercise increases blood flow but it increases blood flow to your ovaries and this is really really important because your ovaries they need this oxygen rich blood supply to be transported to the follicles that grow eggs so this good circulation has been shown in research to have a positive effect on your egg quality And it's also been shown to improve success rates uh, when you're stimulating the ovaries as well. And then there's more data that has linked the number of eggs retrieved and the quality of eggs retrieved to ovaries with a good blood flow. So this exercise is awesome. Increases blood flow to the ovaries. So that is way number one. Way number two, we have touched on this before, but it's back to this idea of stress reduction, which I'm going to keep talking about because... When you are too stressed, you release stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. And these things can have an effect on your hormonal system. And then that can interfere with ovulation as well. And, you know, like I said a minute ago, we don't want anything interfering. We just want to be ticking all the boxes, doing everything we can. So trying to manage your stress is a really good thing. And exercise can help with that. And then the third reason that's been shown to be really important with exercise and egg quality 
is that if you do really um, exhaustive exercise or super intense exercise, it can release these things called free radicals. And to cut a long story short, free radicals can actually go on to damage cells. But the cool thing is moderate exercise can release antioxidants and they combat free radicals. So it's like you've got a little army of people you know, yeah, and fighting you... off the bad ones. And I just love that. So exercise to reduce stress and to uh, release these beautiful antioxidants that you want to shower your body in. I'm assuming (laughs) it's, again, goes back to that nicely consistent, quite relaxed exercises. Is there any exercises that you bring in to help with the relaxation particularly? I love to bring in those yoga poses at the end of the workout that are known to help relax you, help relax your pelvis area and also really increases blood flow to the uterus and ovaries. So I make sure I include them in all my workouts. And it's a really nice bit of the workout because you've done, you know, you've done your workout and then you can just lie on the floor in certain positions and really increase that blood flow. Yeah, and also during the exercises, you're actually increasing the blood flow anyway. Absolutely. So the squats, um, everything that you're doing really is increasing that blood flow. Um, And that's a really positive thing. But like we've said before, for these exercises... We're not going really intense. We're just, we're kind of managing the level at which you work just to make everything as optimal as possible for your trying to conceive. Yeah. And I love that idea of the yoga poses at the end, which is very specific and and stretching. It's so good. I think that's the only reason people sign up. No, I'm joking. They sign up for my expertise and wisdom, but you know, it's, it really helps. I had an injury this week and I am just so annoyed with myself. I didn't know this. Stretching, stretching. I've been quite bad at my stretching and that's why I'm hobbling around in 42 degree heat. Yeah, it's horrendous. For anyone not in the UK, well, also me and Roshi are very pale. So uh, this this This... 42 degrees of heat is killing us. We are dying Yeah, we have not signed up for this. We did not sign up for this. We have chosen to be in Northern Europe for a reason. We have the cold. We love it though. I do love the cold. So do I. This is, it's... (laughs) This is why I was doing um, some articles today and on the Instagram about how to work out in the heat, because it is a real thing. It is a real thing. Yeah. It is genuinely very hard. It's very hard to get the motivation up as well when you're already warm. The other thing that's quite difficult at the moment for both of us is sleep. It is a disaster. But sleep goes. Yeah, I slept terribly last night. Don't think anyone in the country slept last night. No. And... For anyone on their trying to conceive journey, this is actually really important because there is a link between sleep and fertility. So this is really interesting. And if you if you listen to any Olympians or any kind of top level athletes, they have all twigged now that sleep is so, so, so important. So it's really important for fitness. It's really important for mental health. And it's really important for our fertility. And I had a great time. I had a great time looking at research for this. It's amazing because I remember all these sort of like sleepings for losers, you know, mm-hmm. the Margaret Thatcher, four hours four a hours night. Hours. And I used to feel quite guilty because I'm a solid eight hour a night sleeper. Too, at least. If I at have. least. And I always have been. And I've never known how anyone can function on less sleep. But I too want to be productive in my life. I too want to be successful. Oh, I too want course. to be, you, are, you, Roshi, you, you know, are. the message has been for such a long time that yeah. you are wasting your time when you're yeah. asleep. Okay, this drives me mad. Um, anyone that could see me right now would see me beginning to kind of twitch with, with anger. Sleep is, it's not a waste of time. Sleep is an active recovery process. You are winding down for the night, but in the different stages of sleep that we all go through, each different stage has a job. And it's really important that your brain goes through these different stages of sleep. And one of the stages of sleep, the deep sleep, 
This is the one where you're, you know, you're out cold. Your breathing slows. If you're sleeping next to someone, if they're in deep sleep and you kind of look at them, you might be a bit worried because, you know, you're going to check they're still alive. They're out cold. In this particular stage of sleep, you release uh, growth hormone. And this is super important because, as you might guess, it helps you to grow, but it helps your cells to renew. So it's this really, really, really important stage of sleep. And in order to get into deep sleep, you have to go to bed at a decent time. You know, if you're on the night out and you go to bed at three in the morning and get up a few hours later, it's going to knock everything out. So it's not just about how long you sleep for, it's about when you go to sleep as well. So it's really important to try and get to sleep at a decent time so that you can go through all these different stages of sleep. It is an active process. It is not a waste of time. You, sh you must sleep. And it is very much linked to fertility. And there's loads of research on this now. Uh, which is very exciting indeed. Anyone that already has children, you might be trying for your second or your third, knows that kids need a routine. I think adults need a routine. And um, one of the things, not to go on about the heat in the UK, but it's something that I used with the kids and I use for myself, is I'd usually say have a hot bath. Uh, before you go to bed you're always talking about baths. i know because <laughs> always because always i tonight it will be a cold bath the other 364 days of the year it'll be a hot bath and the reason is because it sets you off to sleep you're raising your core temperature what your body's trying to do is trying to drag that temperature back down to a temperature it's comfortable at and that uses more calories which makes you quite tired make the room cool for example don't have loads of electronics yeah. in the room people are using blue light blockers there's now bulbs that you can get to put into your lamps so the light thing is really important like you've just said and just to explain this a little bit for people that, that don't know about sleep you go to sleep because your brain in the dark produces um, a hormone called melatonin and melatonin inhibits wakefulness so it makes you less awake but what happens is when you watch uh, screens or they've kind of got this blue light that actually stops or kind of hinders the release of melatonin so you are you are actually keeping your brain more awake so we need melatonin melatonin is good so in the dark melatonin is released but this all then links into fertility so there was a really cool piece of research and um, you can tell I'm a geek, but I love it. So there was a really cool piece of research in 2010. And they were looking at women going through IVF treatment. They had a group of women. The women had failed to become pregnant because the quality of their egg, uh, it just wasn't quite good enough. So after one cycle of IVF, these women who had failed on the first cycle, they were split into two groups. And basically, one group was given melatonin, one group was not given melatonin. And then they went through the IVF procedure um, as normal. And what's really cool is the group of women that were given the melatonin, with them, the study found that 50% of the eggs from those women could be successfully fertilized. Whereas in the other group without the melatonin, it was only 22.8%. So that's a massive difference. And then what's really cool is when the eggs were transplanted into the, the uterus of the women, 19% of the women who had been given melatonin were pregnant, as opposed to the 10% of the control group who were not given the melatonin. This that's is amazing. That's incredible. I think it is incredible. And I can't believe it. I think it's absolutely amazing. Sleep helps at a number of levels anyhow, even before you have this information. Yeah, it's just good in to terms, do anyway. It's good to do it anyway. It's great for stress relief. It's great for, clear, as you said, clearing the body out during deep sleep. You know, it gets rid of all those nasty old cells that we don't need anymore. <laughs> And obviously rebuilding, because I know we're, but myself and Maria, we like our resistance training. We mm -hmm. like to lift some weight. So on your training days, the sleep gives the body time to knit 
your muscles back together and any tears that you may have so you can get nice and strong. But now, obviously with melatonin added in as well, it's, this must be like one of your top tips I just to love, any yeah. client. It's just like, get some sleep. Get some sleep. And it, it sounds really obvious. What I'm hoping is that our listeners will be listening to this as though they've never heard this advice before. Sure. Because quite often what happens is when you start talking about fitness and exercise, people go, oh, yeah, 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 and they switch off. So what, what I would really like is for people just to hear what we're saying in these episodes and, and we're saying melatonin is really important. Melatonin is linked to sleep. Just try your best. Just try your best to get some good night's sleep. Like we said at the beginning, it's ticking all the boxes. Just a little thing that might nudge you in the right direction. It's weird when you say that uh, you think that people maybe switch off when they hear yeah. about exercise. I think maybe because some people think that's not for me. Yes, agreed. I, you know, that's not how I live my life. I have tried and consistently failed, we'll say, at going to the gym or sticking to a plan or sticking to a leading plan. And the best thing about fitness and getting into shape, going after those goals, is that I always start with the small ones first. Mm-hmm. So really achievable, nice, mm. small. And if someone said to me, you can have a bath and go to bed and have, and enjoy a good night's sleep and that is going to help you. Yes. Oh, you know I'm doing that first. Oh my God, yes. You know I'm doing that one yeah. first because that is so achievable. Yeah. And the only thing I have to do is not bring the phone into the room. Do not bring the phone in. Because that's your barrier right there to, to a good night's sleep. This is so interesting because for some of my clients using... The app that I use is really good. So not only do we do training programs from my brain, but delivered via the app, we also look at goals and habits. So one of the healthy habits that we actually program in for certain nights of the week is um, a digital detox. So it's in the app. It's part of your program. So on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever night it is, and then you tick it off when you've done it the next day because it's a really important thing. So this is one of the things that we can do. And it's one of those things you can go, this is an easy win. Easy win. Tick it off. Tick and it then off. celebrate the success. Like I always say to people, I don't care how small the win is. If that's a big deal for you, then celebrate it. Yeah. And it is for you as well. It's not this elaborate, confusing world where everyone seems to achieve it and you can. It is the first step because a good night's sleep is the first step to a good wake up, work out the next morning, having the energy, not having to rely too much on the food to give you pep. Now, you know, you're getting that good melatonin in. And I didn't know, Marie, to be fair, that you got human growth hormone at the deepest part of your sleep. And that's the bit that repairs you, puts you back together, keeps you strong. And I don't like it, those free radicals. They're going going after my complexion. So anything that releases loads of antioxidants. Honestly, Roosh and I, we've done each other for a long time. You're a lot better on the the skin and the beauty and and the hair and the... You know, we come at things, but you know what? We come, come at things from a different place. But I we've know. ended up here together. We've ended up in the, the same, same place. Yeah, here we are. The only reason, and just took the sidebar, and if anyone wants any information, get in touch. <laughs> I became interested in skincare when I got rosacea. Oh, and that okay. happened just over lockdown. So I had to, a bit like the way you deep dive into yeah. all things fertility, mm-hmm. I deep dived into rosacea, and okay. it meant that I had to change my routine. See, now I feel but like again, I'm a terrible it's, person, Roisin. Yeah, I can't believe you're trying to Honestly, accuse me of being really, vain. You were just trying to make yourself feel better. I'm so sorry. Heaven forfend. <laughs> I'm doing it for medical reasons, <laughs> I'm Maria. So sorry, again, it's a routine. Yeah. It's a routine. Yeah. It's something that I have to do in the evening when I don't want to, but I do it. Mm-hmm. And then there's something I have to do in the morning. And it's just 
the golden rule is don't get on the phone before you do either because neither will happen. I've noticed the same actually. I now leave my phone upstairs for the first hour of the morning because if I do leave my phone upstairs, I'll do the dishwasher, I'll do the washing, I'll remember to feed my children, you know, yeah. the kind of basics that you need yeah. to get right. But if I take my phone downstairs, I'll have a quick look on Instagram or I'll have a quick look on Twitter or Facebook or I'll check, you know, how my clients are getting on. And I don't do any of those things. I just kind of forget. I just wander around. And then my brain starts to work. And yeah. I'm like, oh, what about this client? Oh, I'm just going to say hello to them. And I get lost. Yeah, and those poor kids. Those poor kids, they're, they're asking me for a snack. I just keep or, saying, I'll get it. And or I guess to the point where they could get their own and they then you realise that they're, they're hoovering all the chocolate in the house. <laughs> but we did talk about habits before. Routine and habits and bringing in a good sleep habit is yeah. invaluable. Yeah, huge. And related to your fertility. So you as a human being, healthy, happy. If it's good enough for the Olympians, it's good enough for us. So, Maria, what are we going to be discussing next week? I am really looking forward to next week's show. I do know, actually. She does know. I do know. She does know. But I'm going to tell you because you don't know. In next week's show, we are going to touch on BMI again because we know how important BMI is for fertility treatment when you're kind of chasing down that BMI of 29 so you can start treatment. So we're going to talk about food prep, decision fatigue and why accountability is so important in your fitness journey. Roshan is excited, I can see, I honestly, it. I can see it in her face. I love it. Love a bit of meal prep. So yeah, we're going to enjoy this one. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week and please rate, comment and really importantly, share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.